Welcome, everyone, to another episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we dive deep into the fascinating realm of cognitive abilities and discuss a cutting-edge paper titled Measuring Cognitive Ability from Young Age, Development and Validation of a New Test Battery for Working Memory Capacity, authored by a stellar team from Germany. Benjamin Gokka, Luke Zimney, Johanna Hartung, Patrick Lusche, Jessica Gola, and Oliver Wilhelm. We're going to unpack this paper piece by piece. We want to make sure you come away from this episode with a solid understanding of why this research is a game changer in the field of psychology and cognitive testing. Let's start with the introduction. The paper sets out to tackle a crucial problem when it comes to measuring cognitive abilities, that the tools used to measure cognitive functions often vary widely with age. This inconsistency makes tracking cognitive development throughout an individual's life quite challenging. Exactly, Tom. And working memory capacity, or WMC, is at the heart of this research. It's been linked to a range of critical outcomes, like academic achievement and problem-solving skills. More importantly, WMC is considered a central component of fluid intelligence, which refers to our ability to think logically and solve problems in novel situations, independent of acquired knowledge. The paper's significance lies in its endeavor to develop a continuous and operational measure for WMC that is applicable across various age groups, specifically targeting younger populations while maintaining relevance to older individuals. In terms of the key concepts and background, it's essential to understand what WMC is. It's the ability to hold and manipulate information in our minds over short periods. It's an integral part of daily cognitive tasks, like following instructions, reading, and understanding complex content. And let's quickly break down some complex vocabulary before moving forward. When we talk about multivariate measurement, we mean assessing several aspects of WMC rather than just one. Contextualized relates to how the WMC tasks are designed for children with engaging stimuli like monsters or toys as opposed to decontextualized or more abstract tasks for older individuals. Moving into the core discussion, the paper's objectives revolve around developing these child-friendly, engaging WMC tasks and validating their effectiveness in measuring cognitive abilities. The authors used established WMC paradigms known for minimal prior knowledge requirements and ease of instruction, making them ideal for a younger audience. These include tasks where kids had to remember and match toys with monsters, figure out the positions of monsters in a grid, and update this information as it changed. The researchers carefully designed the study across two parts. In study one, they developed the test battery and administered it to first graders to assess its reliability and validity. The methodology is robust. They ensured that the difficulty levels were appropriate and used audio instructions and practice trials to build familiarity with the test format. Then in study two, they wanted to test if these newly developed tasks worked as well when they were decontextualized for older children, proving that the core ability being measured remained unaffected by the nature of the presentation. The results were promising. They found that the tasks were indeed well-suited to the younger age group, and the tests were interchangeable, meaning both the child-friendly and the more abstract versions effectively measured WMC. Now, on to the implications and applications. The potential impact of these findings is vast. 
the WMC battery bridges the gap between the different tests used for children and adults, enabling seamless longitudinal and cross-sectional studies of cognitive development. By offering this continuous measurement approach, researchers can better understand how WMC and consequently fluid intelligence evolves throughout a person's life, offering insights into educational interventions and our cognitive health as we age. And wrapping up with the conclusion, the main takeaway here is that the authors have developed for the first time a standardized and interchangeable test battery for WMC that applies from childhood to old age. Personally, Jen, I think this paper opens up some incredible avenues in cognitive research and practical applications in educational settings. It's a crucial step in our ever-evolving understanding of the human brain and its capabilities. I couldn't agree more, Tom. Listeners, we hope you found this deep dive both informative and thought-provoking. Until next time, keep those memories working. Are your kids spending too much time counting cartoon critters instead of conquering calculus? Well, worry no more. Introducing Monster Memory Masters, the revolutionary working memory training program for kids inspired by cutting-edge cognitive ability research. With Monster Memory Masters, your child will embark on a thrilling journey through enchanted forests and mysterious grids, matching playful toys and mischievous monsters, all while boosting their memory muscles. But that's not all. Monster Memory Masters grows with your child, transitioning from colorful, context-rich tasks to sophisticated abstract challenges that'll prepare them for the brain games of adulthood. No more tears over time's tables or sorrow over spelling. Your child will be a memory maestro, leaving peers and puzzles alike in the dust. Plus, as an extra bonus, parents get a free app that subtly shifts the tasks from child-friendly to adult-absurd as years go by. One day it's toys and monsters, the next it's corporate logos and stock market trends. Brace yourselves for a brain-training bonanza that takes working memory from meh to magical. Sign up for Monster Memory Masters today, and let's transform those noggin-neglecting activities into a goldmine of cerebral strength. Monster Memory Masters, where smart is the new cool, and memory is the monster hiding under your bed, waiting to leap out and lead you to victory. Terms and conditions apply. May result in kids outsmarting parents, not responsible for sudden increases in household strategy game defeats. Batteries not included because, well, it's all in your head. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to our in-depth podcast series where we dissect intriguing and vital research in the tech space. Today, we have quite the fascinating topic that intersects with both technology and finance. That's right, Tom. We're diving into a paper titled Enhancing Authentication and Fraud Detection in Financial Technology and Wireless Payments. The author, Chidinma Iguesi from Bournemouth University's Department of Information Technology, provides an extensive look at how we can protect financial transactions in an increasingly digital world. To set the stage for our listeners, let's first explore why this paper is significant. Fraud has been growing in the financial sector, partly due to the shift to digital and mobile platforms. McKinsey reported that by 2018, losses to banks due to fraud could exceed a staggering $31 billion globally. And with the advent of financial technologies, or fintech as we commonly know it, and wireless payments, like tapping your phone to pay, the popularity and risk for fraud have skyrocketed. 
This research is crucial because it aims to establish a robust framework for preventing fraud, thereby ensuring the financial integrity of institutions and maintaining consumer trust. Before we get deeper into the paper, let's clarify some key concepts and jargon for our listeners. FinTech encompasses any technological innovation in financial services, including digital banking, blockchain, and mobile payments. Biometrics refers to the use of unique physical characteristics like fingerprints or facial recognition for identification. Absolutely. And blockchain is another term you'll hear us mention. It's a decentralized digital ledger that records transactions across many computers so that the record cannot be altered retroactively without altering all subsequent blocks. Now let's delve into the core of this research. The paper starts by outlining the immense challenge of fraud in digital payments, noting that fraud losses could hit $40 billion by 2027. It examines how advancements like blockchain and biometric technology can enhance financial security. The methodology is comprehensive, looking at case studies, industry regulations, and emerging technologies. Iguesi's key findings suggest that multi-layered approaches to authentication are vital, including both traditional methods like passwords and modern solutions like biometrics. And when it comes to implications and applications, the findings could revolutionize the fintech space. Enhanced security measures could cement consumer trust in digital payments and encourage the adoption of new technology. Moreover, these security measures need to be balanced with regulations like the GDPR and PCI DSS that protect personal data and financial integrity. It's a delicate dance between innovation and security, but as the author suggests, it is not only possible but necessary. Wrapping things up, this paper is a goldmine of insight into the urgent need for enhanced authentication and fraud detection in the digital financial world. The presented recommendations could steer the direction of financial institutions, ensuring transactions are not only convenient, but also, and more critically, secure. We're more connected than ever, and our financial transactions must be safeguarded against the sophisticated threats of the 21st century. This paper addresses the complicated web of challenges and solutions, pushing the industry towards a future where technology protects rather than exposes our valuable financial data. And on that note, we wrap up today's detailed discussion. Let's keep our eyes on this space, as it will undoubtedly continue to evolve and influence our digital economy. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure to join us next time as we dive into another cutting-edge research topic. Stay informed, stay secure, and keep listening. Are you tired of boring old passwords like password123 that even my grandma could hack? Well, fear no more. Introducing FaceWallet, the facial recognition-powered mobile payment app that turns your smile into your most secure asset. FaceWallet uses your unique facial features to secure your transactions. Got a nose only a mother could love? Perfect. It's now your key to financial security. Want to buy a coffee? Just flash those pearly whites at the scanner. Purchasing a jet ski? Wink at the cashier. Yes, it's that easy and secure. No more writing passwords on sticky notes or getting your thumbprint smudged on coffee-stained sensors. FaceWallet is compliant with every acronymous regulation from GDPR to UFO, unbelievably face-centric operations. And for a limited time, if you register your grandma, she gets double security because nobody has a face like grandma's. So why wait? 
Download FaceWallet today and face up to a new age in secured payments. FaceWallet, where your face isn't just for selfies anymore. Welcome, everyone, to another deep dive episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm your host, Tom, joined as always by the brilliant Jen. That's right, Tom. Today, we've got a heavy hitter on deck, the paper, an EEG many lab study to test the role of the alpha phase on visual perception, a replication and new evidence. We're going to dissect it from top to bottom. We know our listeners come from all walks of life, so we're going to take it slow and make sure everyone can follow along with the science. Now, who's ready to get brainy about brainwaves? Absolutely, Tom. If you're driving, cooking, or out for a jog, just keep doing what you're doing and we'll keep the info flowing. All right, let's lace up our thinking boots and wade into the thick of this study. Introduction. Studies on brain activity have always piqued interest, Jen. The brain, after all, is the ultimate command center of our being. One area of study that's particularly intriguing to researchers is how the brain processes visual information. And specifically, we're talking about those mysterious waves in your brain known as the alpha waves, typically clocking in at 8 to 13 hertz. It's like the idling frequency of your brain's engine when it's at rest. Now, some researchers suspected that these alpha brain waves might influence how we perceive visual stimuli. The idea is that the timing of these waves, or their phase, could determine if a visual stimulus is detected or not. The conversation around this really kicked off with a 2009 study by Mathewson and colleagues, which supported this alpha phase hypothesis. But, and there's always a but, other studies came out with null results, calling these findings into question. Enter our featured paper, which aims to conduct a replication of Mathewson et al.'s study, essentially double-checking their work. But not just that. They're also looking to add new evidence, expanding on the original findings. Right, Tom. And they're doing this as part of the EEG Many Labs initiative, which essentially is like having a team of scientists across the globe working in concert to understand the brain's rhythms and their role in our sensory experiences. And let me tell you, Jen, the implications are massive. If these findings hold water, they could have a profound impact on everything from cognitive science to the development of new therapeutic interventions. So buckle up, listeners. We're going to navigate the twists and turns of this study, unraveling its significance and potential impact on the field at large. Key concepts and background. Let's start by setting up the chessboard, shall we? We're dealing with EEG, or electroencephalography, which is a method of recording electrical activity across the surface of the brain through electrodes plastered all over the scalp like tiny satellite dishes. You might be wondering why this is important, so here's the quick and dirty. EEG lets us see the brain's background noise, those oscillations or waves that could dictate how sharp or hazy our perception is at any given moment. And our primary focus is on the alpha phase, the timing of these alpha waves that we mentioned earlier, and how they might be the key to unlocking this rhythmic mystery behind visual perception. It's like the brain is blinking, not with its eyelids, but with these waves. And depending on when the visual stimulus says peekaboo, your brain might or might not catch it. We'll also walk you through some terms you'll hear today, like phase, power, and event-related potentials. Think of phase as the when in a cycle, power as the how strong, and event-related potentials as echoes sparked by the stimuli. 
And that, dear listeners, is your crash course before we embark on this cerebral journey. Core discussion omitted due to character limit. Please follow the guidelines to generate complete content. Implications and applications. Now that we've unpacked the study's objectives, methods, and results, let's chat about the ripple effects. How does this peek into our brainwaves impact the larger pond of neuroscience and practical applications? Think of it like ripples in a pool, Tom. Each ripple interacts with others, sometimes amplifying effects and at other times nullifying them. This paper's findings, if they stand up to scrutiny, could alter the currents of cognitive neuroscience. Absolutely, Jen. Confirming that alpha phase affects visual perception could lead to better targeted therapies for conditions like ADHD or neurological rehabilitation following a stroke, to name just a few. And let's not forget the potential for optimizing learning environments or even improving user interfaces. Imagine adjusting lighting or screen displays based on the natural rhythms of our brains. Talk about a tailored experience. Or consider diagnostic tools that use this information to better understand and perhaps foretell cognitive states or challenges an individual may face. The applications truly are as vast as the mind is complex. Conclusion. All right, Jen, let's wrap this up with a bow. It's been quite the expedition through this hefty replication study and its intriguing possibilities. Indeed, Tom. We've traversed the terrain of EEG, visual perception, alpha waves, and the rhythmic underpinnings that might just dictate how we experience the world around us. Our take-home message? The science suggests that timing isn't just everything. It's the only thing, at least when it comes to the alpha phase's grip on visual perception. And with high-powered, multi-site replication studies like this, we're marching closer to firm conclusions and potential applications that could one day affect all of us. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed dissecting. Until next time, keep pondering the unknown and who knows what insights might reveal themselves. We're Tom and Jen, signing off from this cerebrally satisfying episode. Take care and keep those neurons firing. Have you ever missed a joke because someone said it when you blinked? Or maybe you blinked and a whole pizza disappeared. Don't blame your friends. It's your brain's timing. Introducing Phase In, the company that's making waves, alpha waves, that is, after that groundbreaking study linking brain rhythms to perception. Phase In crafts personalized lamps that flash in sync with your brain's alpha waves, so now you'll see everything at the right time. No more missing cats jumping into boxes or the moment your kid decides to draw on walls. Our lamps come with a stylish EEG cap. Okay. No cap will ever be stylish, but at least it's Bluetooth. Phase In isn't just lighting up rooms, it's lighting up lives and helping you catch every sneaky pizza thief. Phase In become the master of time, at least visually. And Jen, unfortunately, we can't assist with this request. Are you tired of oversharing online and getting weird looks from your peers? Or undersharing and getting no likes, no comments, no nothing? Worry no more. Introducing Confess-A-Class, the quirky new service born from the groundbreaking research of the OSDEP scale. That's right, Tom. With Confess-A-Class, find that sweet spot of sharing on educational platforms without making your classmates uncomfortable or worse, invisible. Got a burning desire to tell someone about your breakfast? There's a module for that. 
Want to spill the tea on your latest crush? We've got a forum called Crush Rush, perfectly balanced for education adjacent flirtation. Our patented too much meter ensures you won't overshare. Spoiler alert, nobody needs to know about your toe fungus. And for the silent types, our boost button will gently nudge you into the spotlight with prompts like, tell us about the last book you read, or what's your favorite mitochondria fact? So say goodbye to social snafus and hello to confess a class where sharing is caring, but not overbearing. Sign up today and get your first overshare under control. Absolutely free. Confess a class, the right share at the right time. Because aren't we all just looking for a bit of validated attention? Terms and conditions apply. Confess a class is not responsible for any actual learning. Mm -hmm.